0: There seems to be something dark hiding inside state and national parks all across the country. I myself can't tell you what it is, but these viewers sent in some allegedly true and downright disturbing encounters with things we can't explain in state parks. Welcome back to The Swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true horror stories from state parks sent in by viewers just like you. As always... If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Recently, I started streaming over on Twitch multiple times a week, so if you're a fan of horror movies, horror games, and all kinds of extra spooky content from the swamp, come join me over there. Now, without further ado, let us jump into these creepy and allegedly true state park horror stories that'll creep you out tonight. Hello, Swamp Dweller. Thank you for giving me a platform on which to share this encounter anonymously. I am a huge fan of your narrations, and your podcasts get me through every workday and long car ride. Keep up the excellent work, and much love. For the sake of me and those involved, names and locations will be anonymous. My name is Michael and my six other friends will be labeled as friends 1 through 6, to make this easier to relate to the audience. This took place in Massachusetts. Now onto the story. About a year ago, to get out of the house during quarantine, some friends and I decided that we were going to go camping. There were six of us in total. We started to meet up at a clearing that one of our groups knew about. Friends 1, 2, and 3, and I, started setting up everything while we still had some daylight left. We got the tents and chairs set up around the fire pit before the sun was about to dip under the trees. After we got the fire going, it was around 8pm. A little after that, friend 2 got a call from friends 4 and 5 saying they were running late but were almost there and asked friend 2 to wait for them by the road. He left and everything was still excellent at the time. Shortly after, friends 2, 4, and 5 come back to the campsite. Friend 2 was a bit shaken up. When we asked him about it, he said while he was waiting on the road, he felt like he was being watched and heard something in the trees. If you don't know Massachusetts very well, the forest and woodlands can be dense at times. And, at least in my area, there are a lot of large pine trees, so flashlights or lanterns won't illuminate much more than a couple of feet in front of you. Yes, it really is that thick in my area, with all the trees and fallen logs around here. Anyway, friend too said he was listening, and whatever it was kept leaping back from tree to tree. However, he suddenly heard it pacing back and forth in the trees behind him once he got to the road. Then he didn't listen to it anymore. The surrounding woods, he said, were silent, absolutely dead quiet. He was down there for just a few minutes before he heard the pacing resume. Only this time, it was across the road and it was much faster this time. Now before I keep going on, I need to give some context. Friend 2 was a bit of a hothead with a short fuse when he gets annoyed. He said he yelled across the street that whatever this thing was or whoever this was, better stop or he would go over there and kick its ass for trying to toy with him. The pacing didn't stop. He said it got faster even as he crossed the street. However... Friends 4 and 5 showed up, and the pacing stopped, and once they started hiking back it was silent until they were about halfway to the campsite. At first we all assured him that it was probably just a bobcat if anything. As I said though, friend 2 was a little shaken up, and again as I said, they do have a bad temper, and a big pair of stones most of the time. Normality resumed for a little bit after that. It wasn't until around 11pm that I got a call from my mom asking me to come home for a family issue. I begrudgingly packed up and I left, and from here, I'll tell the story from the perspective of Friend Four. Friend Four told me about the day after, that, almost an hour after I left, the entire area felt dead silent once more. The only noises were the occasional smoldering of the campfire and some coyotes far off in the distance. They told me everyone started hearing the pacing off in the tree line about 30 to 40 feet away. They told me my friend, the one who kept trying to keep everyone calm, was saying that it was just a deer or a bobcat and that it would go away after a little bit. Friends two and three, a couple, started thinking about leaving as friend three said they were feeling uneasy. Now for some context. I have always been a night owl, to the point where it's become an inside joke in our group that I'm an owl secretly. So I have the nickname Owl. Friend Four said they started to try and make jokes with the others about how if I were there, I would have summoned an army of owls or something to dispatch whatever it was. However, as soon as he said that, they told me the pacing stopped, and what they heard was a hoot. At first, it was like the sound you would make when you're teaching a child the sound of an animal and slowly evolved into a full-on accurate impersonation of an owl. As this owl's hooting progressed, the pacing picked up again, but this time it was much faster. Everybody, at this point, said they heard heavy breathing, and just like that, the howls of coyotes resumed only much closer. They told me no more than a thousand feet or something like that. Whatever it was, kept howling louder and louder, and the hoots never stopped either. Everyone began panicking. Even my friend, who is an absolute adrenaline junkie who laughs at death as they go 50 miles per hour around sharp corners on back roads, they were even horrified. They didn't even bother packing much. Most of it they said they carried like babies in their arms. They ran to the cars as fast as possible, howling and barking coyotes not far behind. No hooting, though. Just dead silent woods and howls and barks. Friends 1 and 5 will still swear that it was a bear or a bobcat or a deer making the hooting noises and that the coyotes were likely just lost. However, friends 2, 3, and 4 told me they had horrible, vivid nightmares that night. But after listening to the show and doing some research, we concluded that it must have been a wendigo that was stalking us and mimicking like an owl that night. The coyotes, we decided, were most likely drawn to the sense of a hunting predator and were looking to scavenge any remains it may have left. If you read this story and narrate it, thank you for choosing it. Stay safe if you're in the woods of Massachusetts, everyone. I don't even know where to start. I've been listening to your show for quite some time, and I'm still hesitant to share my stories, but I love your channel and it keeps me company throughout very lonely work days. I spend all my free time outdoors in the woods or at the national and state parks in my area. I live in a tiny rural community on the edge of a game reserve near the Mississippi River's oldest town, and I've been here my entire life. There is something in the woods down here in the state park, though, and we are not alone. Off and on my entire life, I had felt like I was being watched when I was out in the woods. Not every time, but enough to pay attention to it in this area. I am not the type of girl you want to grab a hold of. I can hold my own in a fight, and although I am no doc holiday, I am very good with a firearm. But what good would a gun do? You can't kill something that is already dead. Enough rambling. One night, my favorite spots to go rock hunting were in the small creeks and streams on the Natchez Trace. The Trace is a historic forest trail in the United States that is roughly four hundred and forty miles long. It's absolutely beautiful, and I do recommend people check it out. I started down the route to the creek. It's about a mile and a half down a dirt path. I used to do this all the time, so I wasn't very worried. I made my way down to the creek with the help of a live oak branch that I've used many times before. I was on a mission that day to find an arrowhead. It was late afternoon, in the summer, so the weather was terrific. A nice gentle breeze, animals rustling in the leaves, and a symphony of songbirds in the forest canopy. I was enjoying myself, arrowhead or not. I hadn't been paying attention to how long or how far I had been walking, when a beautiful agate caught my eye. Super excited, I bent down to wash it off and put it in my bag. When I was washing the agate off, I noticed the only thing I could hear was the water swishing in my hands. No birds no bugs, no breeze, no animals scurrying on the forest floor. Still kneeling in the creek, I had an overwhelming feeling of heaviness, like someone had thrown a weighted blanket over me. I was afraid to look up. I had the feeling I was being watched from close by. I finished washing my agate off and putting it in my bag, trying desperately to act as if nothing was wrong. I stood up, fake-stretched, side to side, trying to scan the edge of the woods nonchalantly. At that moment, my stomach dropped. I did not recognize where I was. There was no way in hell I got turned around. I was walking up the creek and never got out of the water, but for some reason, this place did not seem familiar at all. And at that moment, I realized I had gone too far. The sun seemed to be setting relatively fast, and I was getting lightheaded. Then suddenly, from about ten or so feet behind me, came a clicking sound and a heavy, deep breath with a gurgling snort. I did not want to turn around but I had to. It was the only way back. The water was flowing nicely and smoothly in the opposite direction I was facing, so I knew my truck would be the other way. I immediately started to pump myself up for whatever I was about to see or experience. This was one of the few times I did not have a gun on me, but I did have my knife just in case. I was prepared to go all macho, especially for somebody stalking me, in this case. I would have felt better if it had been another human being, regardless of their intentions. When I turned around, there was nothing there. I did not know a thing, but the woods were still quiet. There was no sound, but the water was splashing, so I stepped my ass out of there. I had to have been about four to five miles from my truck. I was thirty-six miles up the track with no ranger stations or homes nearby. I started to quicken my pace when I noticed I was making a considerable amount of noise for just two feet, so I quickly stopped. My heart sunk as I heard the rustling of leaves and grass stop shortly after I did. The clicking and gurgling snorts continued. I know the animals we have in these here woods, and they don't make those noises at all. So I quickened my pace making a ton of noise running down the creek. Whatever was behind me was running along the bank in what sounded like very significant heavy strides. The clicking continued, getting closer and closer. Just then, whatever was behind me let out a scratchy shriek that made me grab my ears in pain. I removed my hands to hear it jump down into the water. I knew it was close and significant because it sent a surge down the creek. I hit a gear I never even knew I had and no way in hell I would try to turn around and get a look at whatever this thing was. As I reached familiar surroundings, I could see the live oak getting around the bend of the tree, as if it was reaching out to help me. I knew that at that point the truck wasn't very far away. At the time, I was a -a pack-a-day smoker of Marlboro Reds, and my lungs felt like they would explode from the pain. So I reached out, grabbed the live oak, and my hand slipped. Just as I caught it again with a better grip, I began to pull myself up. Then I felt something tight and painful, almost like a burn on my leg. I screamed like a mad woman and began kicking like a mule. Then I pulled away and ran as fast as I could up the dirt path, all the way back to my truck. Halfway down the way, I heard a crow. I noticed my footsteps were the only ones I could listen to and hear again and realized that life had come back to the woods. My heart was somewhat relieved, although my legs were not slowing down. I scratched up my leg badly and I could feel it bleeding but did not stop to check on it. Instead, I slammed into the side of the truck and got my keys from my hide box, jumped inside, and got the hell out of there, and I have not been back since. Now, whether something had my leg, I do not know, and I cannot say for sure. It could have been an old barbed wire fence or something that cut me on the way there because I was definitely not paying attention as much as I should have. I have heard the clicking before, but I always wrote it off like tree branches or something. One thing is for sure. Always pay attention when the woods go silent and always bring something to protect yourself, especially in these state parks. There seems to be something strange going on here. I have lived most of my life in Montana. I grew up near the Crow Reservation and knew quite a bit about their history and lore. During the summer of 2020, I worked at a local state park that had once been a part of the crow's traditional land. It is a site that contains a lot of their history, from things like pictographs to actual burial sites. My manager would tell me about the site and I would love hearing the stories that fueled the legends around it, but one day I learned just how accurate the tales are. It was a hot July day and I had snuck out of the visitor center to take a break from people. I walked into a gully and climbed up onto a rock that let me see the center, and I remained out of sight. It was the only place where I had cell service. I enjoyed sitting in the shade, listening to the birds, but another sound caught my attention. It was the sound of rustling bushes farther up the gully. I tried not to panic, but my manager told me about a mountain lion that would sometimes wander up there. There was no exit in that direction due to an earthquake that blocked the path only allowing a small stream through the large boulders. No matter what it was, it had to come my way. The rustling got closer until it was in the stream below me. I peeked over the rock to see absolutely nothing. I sat still, watching that spot intently, but my fight-or-flight motion kicked in, and I ran down the narrow path back to the visitor center. I thought that was it for my worries, but things got weirder over the next couple of days. A few days later, I walked into the center to see my two co workers staring at a display case that showed Native American tools. I asked what was wrong, and one of them pointed at the glass that covered the artifacts. There were tiny handprints covering the case, traveling in every direction as if something had climbed it. I didn't think much of this, but I did feel it was strange since our park barely got any visitors due to the pandemic. We got a few travelers, but rarely did they come into our center. We cleaned off the case without another thought and got to work. The next day, I came in, and once again, my coworkers were gawking at this point. The tiny handprints were back, and I started to get nervous, and we cleaned all the glass quickly as possible. Just to note, we would clean them every morning and every night, so it was weird that there would be handprints the morning after we cleaned it. Later that same day, I was alone in the visitor center sitting at the front desk reading a book. I started to hear something like a radio playing in the back room. I listened for a bit trying to make out what was playing, but it was too muffled to pick anything out. When I stood to investigate, it suddenly went quiet. This happened a few times over the next few days, but I tried to ignore it. One day the sounds were getting annoying, and I decided to sit outside next to my manager. We talked a bit and somehow we talked about Crow lore. One that was popular in Crow culture is the little people a group of humanoid creatures that like to cause mischief. If you see one, that means you are going to experience misfortune. They would do anything to get you to leave, such as throwing rocks or setting up traps. I made a joke about spending the night at the center and camping near the cave that has pictographs. My manager stopped me quickly and told me that would only put me in danger. He said many people have tried it and no one stayed the whole night. Something always chased them away. So I gave up on staying in the park alone. After that, though, things just kept getting worse. I stopped going back to the rock due to the weird noises coming from the gully. The radio noise was playing more often. Then one day, something happened that led my manager calling a medicine man to the center. I was sitting inside. My manager was on the phone talking to a water testing facility since the water had suddenly become undrinkable in recent times. He angrily hung up the phone and said he was going outside to smoke. I watched him leave, then returned to my book. After a while, I started hearing talking from the back room. I listened and could only make out my manager talking. It sounded like he was talking to the water testing people again. I couldn't make out exactly what he said, but he was very angry. I kept listening as I stood up and walked to the windows to see if anything interesting was going on outside. A few cars in the parking lot, but everyone had avoided the visitor center, like usual. I noticed someone walking up the sidewalk to the center. It was my manager. A sudden chill ran down my spine, and I began to shiver. The talking in the other room was still happening. When my manager got inside, I quickly explained what happened, and he could hear it too. But it stopped as we approached the door to the room. We rushed inside, and of course, there was nothing. The back door was even locked. My manager immediately got on the phone with the Crow medicine man who came in the next day. They performed a cleansing ceremony that took quite a few hours. After that, every issue seemingly stopped, no more radio noises or handprints on the glass. I also, for some reason, felt a weight lift from me. Some thought that it was the little people, while others thought it was more of an evil spirit that had attached itself to the site. I won't know the truth as I don't work there anymore, but whatever it had led me to take caution when I am near sacred sites such as this. In the fall of 2016, a friend and I decided to go hiking in the late afternoon in a more densely wooded wilderness area in the mountains not far from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Now these woods were in a state park. My friend Rick was close to 60 at the time and recovering from a triple bypass he had undergone about 16 months earlier. We had been hiking this and other trails for about a year following his operation to strengthen his cardiovascular health. That day, a weekday, I hiked with a bottle of water, my wallet, and my keys, but nothing else. Nothing to protect myself. The trail we picked is a popular weekend hiking spot that we had taken dozens of times before. We were both comfortable with the hike and had never had a problem on that path, or any other for that matter. While Rick is older and at the time a little more feebler after his health problems, I was in my mid-forties, well over six foot tall, and in pretty decent shape so I wasn't worried. The trail we were on is an estate park adjacent to federal parkland. It's an outdoor enthusiast's dream. Most of our trek that day was completely uneventful. We just enjoyed the autumn leaves and chatted casually as the sun dropped lower in the evening sky. We had seen nobody else that day, which was probably to be expected given that we chose to hike late in the afternoon on a weekday. We'd completed about four miles of the six-mile loop, and up to that point, it was an uneventful trip. On our way back to the car, and about two miles from the parking area, we spotted someone. Through an opening in the trees, I saw a young woman, probably a college student, on the trail ahead of us, and moving in our direction. At first glance, I paid her very little attention. As the distance between us disappeared, that changed. I did not know her, so it could have just been mistaken. But there was something about her posture and expression that seemed off to me. As she got closer, it struck me that she had a semi-panicked look on her face and was moving quite quickly. But she was in athletic gear, so maybe she was just booking it for some cardio. She occasionally turned her head and stared over her shoulder. I followed her eyes and eventually noted another woman about 50 yards behind her. This woman was also walking up the path through the trees. The second woman was not wearing hiking gear. In fact, her clothing struck me as totally inappropriate. It was a warm afternoon, and we were well inside a wooded state park area miles away from any homes, but she was wearing semi-formal office casual attire and a light jacket. I thought the clothes must have been secondhand because they were tattered, ill-fitting, and didn't look washed. She was a fit, athletic-looking woman who couldn't have been more than 25 or 30 years of age. It was too bizarre. The clothes were wrong for the trail and they were wrong for someone her age. Everything was off about her. Her shoes struck me as being even more peculiar. When she got closer, I noticed she was wearing scuffed leather flats, casual shoes with no ankle support. I found it completely odd because you don't see people on this trail dressed as she was and you never see them wearing shoes like that. My hiking partner Rick hadn't appeared to notice anything odd as he was completely involved in the conversation and just kept talking. The second woman briefly glanced up and we made eye contact as she neared us. The alarm bells went off in my head. There was something in her eyes that made me feel uncomfortable down to my core. I don't know what she was thinking if I'm being honest but I swear she had contempt on her face. Part of me wondered whether I'd offended her by staring, so I diverted my eyes and kept walking. I tried to tell myself that maybe she was homeless, was wearing the only thing she had, and I was just being rude. But the warning bells were still going off in my head. I'm not a paranoid person, really, so having my sixth sense going nuts left me unsettled. I have fantastic peripheral vision, so I turned my face toward Rick and acted like I was listening to him, but I was watching the creepy woman out of the corner of my eye. The moment we passed, she spun her head around to study us, and she slowed her pace, My internal alarms grew louder. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw her come to a stop and drop her face toward the ground. Her body half-turned on the trail. It was very odd behavior. Rick and I kept walking, and around 50 yards further, we made it around a bend in the path, and I looked back at the woman before the trees obscured her from view. She was still standing there, her face down, but she was staring a hole through us out of the corner of her eyes. That was the first time I realized that I couldn't see her hands. One was inside her jacket pocket, and the other was hidden from view on the other side of her body. It creeped me the hell out. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. For a half mile, I didn't see her again and had begun to wonder whether it was the first woman, the co-ed, that felt the danger as well. Clearly, she had, I thought, and that's why I was practically running through the woods at dusk. It also struck me that the creepy woman had stopped and studied Rick and me like she was deciding whom to follow. We weren't moving as fast, we were walking as quickly as Rick could manage, and he was clearly feebler than the co-ed. Those thoughts amped up my senses and I still felt uneasy, so I periodically checked behind us. At certain points through the woods I could see more than a hundred yards, nothing. I began to worry about the co-ed. My hair stood up for a second time as I felt the strangest sensation of being watched. Again thinking I was paranoid and half mocking myself for being afraid of the creepy woman, I turned my head around to assure myself she was not back there. I was wrong. She was there, following with her head down and moving briskly about a hundred yards behind us, but with her hands hidden. I turned my head back to the trail in front of us and we kept walking still trying to convince myself that there was nothing out of the ordinary happening and that I was just being rude because she was dressed like a homeless woman. About 200 yards further along the path, I turned my head back to Rick and my heart raced a bit. She's closed half the distance. Each time we would walk around a bend and the woods obscured her location, she would emerge much closer to us at the next opening. I told myself again I was just being paranoid but nevertheless tried to get Rick to pick up the pace a bit by this time he was clearly aware that we were being followed and he was uncomfortable as well although to his credit he did keep talking and act like nothing was happening with a half mile to go before we reached the parking area i turned my head once again and she was just 10 feet behind us i had not seen or heard her get that close and it freaked me out i literally jumped one of her hands was in her pockets and the other was behind her back I got the distinct feeling that she had some kind of weapon, and that she had no fear of me though I was considerably taller, albeit several years older. There was no mistaking her demeanor. She meant to do us harm or at the very least she intended to intimidate us. I weaved my car keys between my knuckles of my right hand, handed my water bottle to Rick, and made an obvious fist with my left hand. With a half mile left in our hike, I thought to myself, if this is nothing, she'll pass us and move on as clearly she's moving a lot faster than we were i was accustomed to people overtaking us when i walked with rick but she didn't pass and never acted like she knew we were there which was the creepiest part i kept my head turned toward her as i walked and tried to get her to make eye contact but she didn't look me in the eyes at first she kept acting like neither rick or i were on the path just a few feet ahead of her and she slowed to follow closely behind I was completely unnerved and that made me even more angry. I wanted her to see how pissed I was and to convey with a look that messing with me was a mistake. When she finally did make eye contact with me, I glared and clenched my fist. There was an instant when I couldn't read her expression. She was simply blank, but as she studied my face she appeared very agitated and a little less confident in herself. I was conveying one thing in the look of my face. Back off. And at this point, I didn't give a damn if I appeared rude. She apparently thought better of whatever she was doing and slowed her pace so the distance between us grew to about 20 feet. But she was tense and kept whatever was in her hand hidden behind her back. I never saw her hands, but I know she had a weapon of some kind, and I believe she meant to do us harm. But I also know she recognized that I was ready to fight. I was mentally preparing to charge her if I saw a gun or a knife, as I knew Rick couldn't outrun her. I thought to myself... I just must surprise her. I also realized that I needed to have her in front of us. A few feet further, a quarter mile away from where our car was parked, she was still stalking us and I had enough. I was in equal measures afraid and furious. I told Rick that we were going to stop and let her pass, loud enough for her to hear it. Just as I was getting ready to stop on the trail and make her walk in front of us, she veered into a small clearing, plowing through waist-high brush. Crossed a ditch and scurried through a line of trees to a road that ran through the woods between the main road and the parking area. I kept my eyes on her the entire time. She had a car. It was parked alongside the little service road, partially hidden by shrubs, not in the parking lot. The last time we made eye contact was just before she climbed in her car. It was clear from the expression on her face that she was very angry. I glared at her, expressing my own anger, but I kept walking. When her car started to drive away, Rick got quiet before asking me, What in the hell was she doing? Did she have a gun? I told him I didn't know. I never saw a weapon. We walked back to our car without saying another word. Once the engine was on and the doors were shut, we chatted a bit about more about how it was pretty creepy. We did decide to report it to the authorities and to make sure to have them check on the poor co-ed. To this day, I have no idea what the creepy woman was planning to do. Rob us, harm us, scare us, I have no idea. I am just thankful she decided better on it. I have hiked that trail more than 50 times since then, but I've never seen her again. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true state park horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it, and that's very helpful to the swamp in growing. If you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, please be sure to give us a 5-star rating over there as it helps us grow there, and it's incredibly helpful, and very much appreciated. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but would like to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you didn't know, I recently started streaming over on Twitch. I stream multiple times a week, We watch terrible horror movies, play some fun horror games, and do all kinds of other stuff. If you're interested in that and just want extra content from The Swamp, be sure to join us over there. If you want to support The Swamp outside of all that, maybe check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. Join me over on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.